Hey, Bus Bench Babes, we have Sarah Church back on the show today, and we're going to talk all about building wealth through real estate and especially as being a young agent. So let's dive in. You're listening to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast, where we invite you to check your ego at the app, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to dive into all things real estate marketing, social media, friendship, hardship, love, money mindset, and all the things that celebrate you as a badass boss babe. We're here to encourage you, show up for you, give you a loving kick in the pants when you need it most, and be your soft place to land on the hardest of days. So pull up a seat at our table and get ready to be inspired and start living your best life by design. Welcome to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. We are so excited you're here. Okay, girls, let's dive in. Hey, Sarah. Uh, so glad you're back for our, your second episode. We have Sarah Church, hashtag open house queen. Hey, Beth. I <laughs> feel so special to be asked to come back for a second time. It was fun to do the first one, and then I feel really honored to be back here again. Well, good. Uh, so you might hear some construction noise in the background. So our backyard project is done. However, we have some land behind our house that's now being developed, and they're putting the infrastructure in today. We literally can't even make this stuff up. So if you hear the beep, beep, beep of big, huge, massive uh, machinery backing up, that's what it is. It is not coming into our podcast recording room. But Sarah, for those of you that didn't listen to the last episode, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, Give us some background. Yeah, so I'm 25. I'm originally from Iowa, moved to Minnesota a couple years ago. I'm single. I live in St. Louis Park with my cat, Onyx. I love real estate, have always loved real estate, been in it for just about six years now. In my free time, I love going to breweries, um, sitting outside, having a drink, walking the lakes, biking, pretty much anything outside. I think Minnesota is so beautiful and I get to, I love getting to spend time um, outside. Well, and you're also on the BPR experience. Yeah. You're on the team. Yeah. Which people probably got that from the last show. But in case you didn't catch her last episode, you're going to want to go back and listen to that. It's all about how to like rock open houses. That's why we've dubbed Sarah hashtag open house queen. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, so I'm so excited to chat with you today about real estate investing. The one thing I think is super weird and ironic is how many realtors that do not own real estate. Yeah. Isn't that weird? It is weird. It's so strange. I feel like owning real estate and even buying the buying and selling process lends to your credibility yeah. as a professional in this industry. Yeah. And it's, I don't know, I just think it's strange. So I love when I hear about people and realtors that are really like in the game and wanting to get in the game of buying, you know, a primary residence and then buying vacation rentals, regular rentals, commercial buildings. It's always so impressive to me. So really, what was it that has prompted you to really want to get into the investing scene? I can't remember like exactly what it was. I just always knew that I wanted to make the money that I was making work for me instead of just making money and spending it and making money and spending it again and kind of just getting into this vicious cycle. And so generational wealth is something that has just always been on my radar And the best way to do that is just buy an appreciating asset, which happens to be what I do for a living. (laughs) So it worked out really well. So you didn't come from a family like you and I, neither of us came from families with, you know, like a ton of money. 
Um, but you like your parents own their house, so you yeah. you did see what that looked like growing yeah. up. Yep. And your parents are always like doing fix ups and stuff on their house. Yeah. So like you got a front row seat to all of that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, okay, so you right now you own a house here in Minnesota, yep. but you did own a house in Iowa that you ended up, you bought, was it kind of like an old granny house? It was, yeah. And then you totally fixed it up and made the pictures I've seen of the before and afters are like unbelievable. Yes. So, and when you decided to move to Minnesota, why didn't you keep that property as an investment property? That's a good question. I did not consider keeping that um, for a rental for just a couple of different reasons. I was moving out of the state and so trying to manage uh, my first rental from across state lines did not really sound like something that was going to be appealing to me. That makes sense. Um, yeah. I also used the cash that I got in the sale to allow myself that kind of cushion to launch into a new career oh. without having paychecks for a while. Yeah, that was super smart. So it was kind of just like I felt the I felt the benefits of selling outweighed the benefits of keeping it. So you were super strategic with selling and used that as leverage to be able to go all in on real estate and not have to have a part-time job. Exactly. Okay. That was super hella smart. Yeah. I guess you and I have never really talked about it that way, but that totally makes sense. Yeah. Because I moved, I mean, to a new city where I barely knew anybody and I knew that it was going to take some time to build that clientele up. And so having that cash on hand from that sale was pretty much what allowed me to be able to make that jump head first. Okay. That's super, super smart. Um, okay. So you own a property here and you've talked about your, is your plan to make this one investment property? I know it's super cute. Right now it is. Yeah. But it seems like it's ever changing. And that's one of the things that I love about investing is there's really like no wrong way to strategize about it. It really just is what fits for your lifestyle. So right now that's my plan, but you know, full disclosure that could change at any time. It could change tomorrow. Yeah. How do you like, okay, so what is your strategy for coming up with that 20% down payment that you're going to need for your next property? Yeah. So you only need to come up with the amount of 20 to 25% down if you're actually not going to live there first. Right. So my plan to avoid that is moving a lot, which yes, that's not ideal. And yes, I understand that if you're starting this journey as like maybe a family or you're, you know, just had kids or whatever, you're individual situation may be that maybe is something that you can't do but I'm just speaking to my like personal life right now and that's something that like I said I'm saying you have the flexibility I have the flexibility to do that and it's not hard for me so that's kind of so you're going to buy your next property as a primary residence and then use your current primary residence and turn it into a rental exactly yep so then you can still be buying property without having to come up with that big down payment that's so freaking smart yep so it just makes it easier to... So then you'd be able to buy your next property with like 5% down. Yep, 5% potentially. down. Because mm-hmm. you yep. probably make too much money to put 3% down. 5% down and then move into that one, live there for a while, do the same thing again. Okay, so that, that's the logistics of that. Is there a specific time frame that you have to live in a property where it's not like, oh, she's specifically buying this to be a rental? Yeah, so you don't want to... You don't want to like be, I guess, not transparent about that because that could get a little gray area there if you're doing that on purpose over and over and over again. But I think standard rule of thumb is, you know, 
two-ish years, maybe a little bit less. Yeah. If you were like fully planning on having that as a primary residence, which I was. I was planning on living there for a while. Right. All my mail goes there. Like, you oh, know, yeah. it's you like. have been there for a while. Yeah. And I've yeah. been there for a while. So it's, it just kind of gets a little wishy-washy if you're like not sending mail there and you're buying it and then maybe you're not going to move in there yeah, right away. Yeah, the lenders are going to nab yeah, you Yeah, the lenders are going to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, and I never obviously want to be dishonest with anything like that, but there is a little bit of work around. But I would say rule of thumb is typically about two years. Okay. That isn't too bad. No. Well, so what are some of the logistics look like from like, okay, you have a primary residence, but you're going to turn it into a rental property. Like, do you have to get a rental license? Like, what are some of those things that you have to get in place? Yeah, so you do have to have a rental license. Um, I co- I own a condo, and so if you're gonna rent out a condo or a townhome, typically the association needs to have a copy of that, and they need to have a copy of the background check that you do for your tenant. They want a copy of your lease, you mean? In the lease, okay. Yeah, and they want to know that you've done a background check, yep. so you have to send that into. Um, but if you're renting like you're a single family home, and you're you don't necessarily have to jump through all of those hoops because there's not you know, a third party association that's taking right. any any say in who you can rent to. Right. Um, so it's a little bit different kind of depending on what property. But yeah, you do have to have a license. You do have to maintain the property. Um, I had, I li- so my rental is going to be in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. So I went to the city of St. Louis Park and filled out like an inspection um, sheet and filled out the rental application. So, so someone then, has to come out and inspect your property. Yep. Right? Yep. Okay. And so I haven't had that happen yet, but I kind of asked about what... Um, they're going to check for. Yeah. It's mostly just that you're, that everything is kept up and that you have smoke detectors, carbon health monoxide, and safety stuff. health and safety stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, and it's different per city, but St. Louis Park does it where it's only, so like if I would have done it this year, which is why I did not, it would have only been good until December 31st and then I would have had to renew it for 2022. So it's not oh. a running year. Every year. So every year someone's going to have to come out and inspect your property. Yeah. Do you have to pay for that each time? I think you do. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's only the rental license is only valid for the year. So if you're, if it's November and you're going to start, you, you're going to have to have, you're going to have to pay. Oh, November and then come back again. And then come back. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit. Just got to figure that out into your expenses. Yeah. Yep. And then figuring out to like, um, what city you live in and how that is different for your city. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was like, well, I'm not going to have a renter in there this year. So I'm not going to pay for three months of that just to waste that money. So I'm like, I'll just have you come back in 2022 and I'm actually going to have a renter and right. then pay for it then. That makes sense. Um, okay. So do you have a specific plan about what type of properties that you're looking for to have as a rental? Like, is it, do you have a strategy in place for that? Um, I've thought about that a little bit. And like I said, this is something that might change down the road. But for me right now, the reason I like investing in condos is just because I don't have any family that lives in the state and I'm by myself and I'm busy. And so the upkeep of condo is so minimal. It's just really nice for me to know that that's not something that I have to be concerned about. I don't have to contract people out to go mow. I don't have to contract Mm, people out to go shovel. That's huge. I don't have to be concerned about you know, huge mechanical items and water in the basement and all that kind of stuff. It's just, I'm on the second floor and all that stuff is taken care of. Yeah. So for my place in life right now, that's what makes sense for me. Yep. And I know other investors would say, you know, I'm not going to pay an HOA. I can just take care of that myself. And great. I just don't have that bandwidth right now. But down the road, you know, if I had, you know, somebody that was able to like 
met somebody that could contract that kind of stuff out or maybe had like somebody in the neighborhood that would be able to mow and shovel and stuff it's like that kind of stuff becomes more attainable and easy and you know leverage my time that way too so right now that's why i do condos is just because i don't have the time (laughs) or the ability to yeah take care of a bunch of single family houses but that could easily change so when you're buying a condo i'm sure you're really like hawking in on like the association documents yeah and really like okay how solid is this association yeah how much are these dues because that's going to affect your bottom line every month totally yeah Yeah. yep and yeah that's something that not a lot of people think to look at even even if you're not doing it as an investor and you're doing it just for yourself too, like making sure that they have enough reserves in the association to make sure that they can cover they can actually pay for things like big capital improvement stuff yeah exactly yeah Um, another thing too, that I did this year, just as kind of a strategy is I set up an LLC and that was something that cost me about $800 and my CPA was the one that did that for me. Um, and so moving forward, my investment properties will be in my LLC's name and not in my personal name. That's really good for your personal protection and liability things. Yeah. Liability is basically everything that was the reason that I did that. So, I mean, we're not going to dwell in the fact that somebody's going to sue me one day, but it's possible and you have to be prepared for it when you are an investor. And so that was one thing I wanted to set up. So if it's somebody comes after me, they're coming after my LLC and not like Sarah Church as an individual. Right. So setting yourself up for that is really important too, because you can't just jump in and start buying all these properties in your personal name and then pick up the pieces later. It needs to be done in the right way because the way that the deed is recorded is important. Refinancing and taking Mm -hmm. that name off and putting it back on is a lot of work. Yeah, so you got to getting it done the right way the first time. The first time is really important. It's just going to save you hassles down the road. Yeah, totally. So how did you know or who did you contact first when you were like, okay, what what comes first? An accountant? Do you have an attorney involved too? The CPA was the first person that I got because I obviously had to file my taxes every year regardless of if you're investing or not because you do have to file taxes anyway. Right. So that was the (laughs) first person that I got. And then secondly, when I decided that I was going to pursue investing... I um, hired an attorney. I found an awesome attorney through like a networking group. Um, she's really great. I love that she's female. My uh, financial advisor is female. So I just love being able to support other female business owners. And it's been really great to have her. So she's doing the custom lease for me. Super cool. So what do you like? What kind of stuff do you have in your lease that sets you apart? So the biggest thing that's different is I know a lot of people have found like many loopholes in their leases and I just didn't want mine to be some generic form that somebody found online and just copy and pasted my name and then had the (laughs) tenant sign. I just don't want some loosey goosey lease. So I'm going to have her kind of button it up a little bit and just make it less, I don't know, open to interpretation. Well, and you you talked about at you, I don't know if you've added this in, but I think you, didn't you talk about how you wanted your renters to then work with you and for real estate yeah so then that was the second piece other than just having like a more buttoned up contract was that i want to have it in there that if the tenants that i have buy a house for me they can cancel their lease at any time so it would just be advantageous super smart yeah it's advantageous for both of us so i think that would be a really great thing that obviously is not in every lease because not everyone is a real estate agent so that's one thing that is going to cost me a little bit to have that custom lease made but it's kind of it's a one time thing. Right. And it'll just change a little bit per property that I have. So you make that initial investment and then it's not really something that you have to keep paying for. Yeah. So did you have conversations with your financial planner about you taking this next step? Yeah, I did. And we are working through, 
you know, allocating money to different investments and different accounts and what makes sense and what I can liquidate and what I need to plan to not see again until I'm 59 and a half and can retire. (laughs) (laughs) So those are all the things that I've just been really educating myself on of like where money goes and when you can pull it out and what makes sense for being an investor and, and all these different things that I just had no idea how all of this worked. So that's why it's so important to really be careful who you select with who you're working with for these these professions because mm-hmm. you, I mean, you can, just like any profession, you could really get a financial advisor that doesn't know what they're doing or a CPA that doesn't know what they're doing and it is really going to negatively affect you. For sure. Okay, so do you have a specific type of property or part of town for your investments that's like your strategy? So right now, just with where I'm at personally in life, um, I am investing in like townhomes and condos. And the reason for that is just I'm by myself. I'm busy. I don't really have the time or desire to really keep up a single family home at the moment. And so it's really easy for me to just kind of check in, check out when I get home and I can just relax right away without having to mow or shovel or, you know, everything that comes with taking care of a single family home. So that's my, that's where I'm at right now. And it works really well for my lifestyle, but you know, with everything it can change and maybe down the road, I invest in duplexes or triplexes or whatever the case may be. But that's my strategy right now is just kind of taking that off my plate and just putting my money into condos and townhomes. So are you really strategic when you're looking at the association documents, when you have that 10 day period to review those? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like what kind of stuff are you looking for on those? Well, you really just want to know like who the board of directors is. That's a big question. Like, is it a third party that doesn't live there that has no interest in anybody that does live there? So they have no problem slapping a $13,000 assessment on something. Or is it like actually run by the people that live there? So they're way more um, like in tune and are advocating more for like, let's save money on this. And this isn't really necessary. We're not just going to spend money on this for no reason. And Mm -hmm. so who runs the association is huge. And then also like how many funds they have in the reserves is huge. Cause if something comes up where you need a new roof or you have damage and you know, a plumbing leak or whatever, they have to be able to pay for that. So without putting an assessment on the property to pay for it. So just checking and seeing how many reserves the, the association has is really huge. And that will tell you like pretty much immediately how well it's run. If it's run really well, they'll have plenty. If it's run really poorly, they won't have much. That totally makes sense. That's a great it's a great thing to pay attention to. And that's something that's important. That's going to affect your bottom line, right? Totally. And that's something yeah. to pay attention to even if you are investing or not investing. I mean, that's right. something if you're going to if you're going to buy a townhome or a condo for yourself, that's something you need to be looking for. Yeah, for sure. Well, what's your long-term plan for being an investor? Do you have one yet? Or like what's you know, what's like a five-year plan and then like what's like your end goal? So five-year plan, I think it would be pretty similar with just continuing to invest in condos and townhomes for the moment. The time being, it's just what works for me and it's just easier that way. But long-term, ideally what I would love to do is invest in these kind of properties over the next 10 to 20 years. And then, you know, when I hit 40-ish, 45, I would love to just cash in on all those and um, pay cash for like a big multifamily complex like whether that's 12 or like 15. an apartment complex yeah yeah yep. that's just, really cool just pay cash for that with all of the equity that i have and however many rentals that i have so then essentially basically be living off of the rent that comes in from that without having to do anything because it's cash at that point so you right. don't have a mortgage that you're also right. paying off so you don't really have a PL statement for something like that it's just basically all profit <laughs> yeah yeah you would have like some updates here and there, but you yeah, have reserves, reserves for that. Maintenance, yeah, yeah, but no mortgage to pay down. 
Yeah, that's so smart. So that's my... That's, that's a great retirement plan. Yeah, that's my goal. And then I that's something that. that you can pass down too, which is something that's important to me as right. well, like that you can pass off. It's not something that you just like save up for and then you end up spending that money in retirement and then there's nothing left to pass down. Like that's a really huge asset that your family can benefit from. I love that so much. Um, do you have any landlord mentors that you're modeling your portfolio after or your future portfolio after? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I kind of struggled to answer this a little bit because I felt like I should have a better answer for you, <laughs> but I really don't. And the reason for that is none of my family has ever been investors and I don't really have any like major role models in my life that I'm like, this is, ex you're doing exactly what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. I definitely know people who do this and there are people that I admire that do this, but it's not anybody like really in my like small small circle that does yeah. this and so I'm kind of doing it on my own for the first time just learning as I go and that's really like what I guess I'm doing and so it's not it's not really based off of anybody but I do know a lot of people that that have done it so to answer your question I don't really have like a major role model but well I feel like at some point you're going to be that role model for someone else. I would love to be that. And I would love to. I know to, that's totally in your wheelhouse. It is. It totally is. And that's honestly a goal that I have. Like I would love to do a seminar one day when I have done this and feel much more like educated and the process of how it goes, not just getting started, but like having successfully done it for years and years. Mm -hmm. Cause it really just starts with one, one small decision that just compounds over time. And so you have to just start, start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super cool. Uh, what would you tell someone who wants to start investing but really has no idea where they should be starting? So if you're listening to this podcast and you have a dream of being an investor but you don't know where to start, I did write down three like actionable items that I felt were a good place to start. Um, number one is if you are not a realtor or you don't know a realtor, to get connected to one and buy your first place if you are not a homeowner already. Um, you can't be an investor without owning real estate. And so right? that's, <laughs> that's the first place to start. So whether you, this would be your first purchase or maybe you are already in your first purchase and you're thinking about your second and you didn't really consider keeping that as a rental when you upsize, then that's something that I would consider. So getting a realtor in your corner that knows investing and can help you navigate what a good investment purchase would be, that's my first item. Number two would be to get the right group of professionals in your corner. It takes an absolute team to make this happen. And it's realist, like actually buying the real estate is a very small portion of how to be successful investor. So I did note five people to connect to. So number one, again, realtor. Number two is a CPA. Have a really good CPA that can educate you and teach you exactly how to you know, run your business like a business. Um, number two is uh, an attorney, or I'm sorry, number three is an attorney. Again, just for writing leases, for having you know real estate legal advice, if anything would come up, that's a great person to have. Financial planner for number four. Again, just when you start having multiple LLCs and different income streams, it's really good to like know where to be putting that money mm -hmm. uh, that makes the most sense for you. So it's not just sitting in a savings account doing nothing. And then number five would be an insurance agent. So once you do start having investment properties, you're opening yourself up to quite a bit of liability, just naturally. And so having an insurance agent that has you covered on every extra policy that you can get is huge. So those are the five people that if you don't know a person like that, start just kind of keeping your ears open for, for the great fit to come in and, and be able to just guide you in that direction. Number three would be to start working on projects in your current home or in the home that you are soon to be purchasing. 
Um, if this is your first investment property, I would really recommend not to buy the cutest house on the block. I know it's really hard not to do that because that's what everyone's drawn <laughs> so to. So everybody is like, oh, I love this. And you're like, yeah, you and everybody else. Yeah, everyone's drawn to that and they will pay a premium for it because it's easy. But that's where investing comes in. It's like you want to do what's not easy. You want to buy the one that needs the facelift that has, you know, I'm not telling you to go buy a dump. Buy something with good bones that just needs a little bit of love or a little bit of TLC, some updating to your style and work on those projects. Because then if you buy the thing that's already really cute, all you're all you're doing is you're letting it appreciate and you're not really putting any sweat equity in. But if you put in sweat equity and you're letting it appreciate, you kind of get you're double dipping. You double dipping on your <laughs> on how much you're gonna get on your I feel investment. like your condo is a perfect example of this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. You did some great projects to it and it looks freaking awesome. Yeah. And if you follow me on Instagram or whether you don't, go check out one of the recent posts that I just did. I shared my um bathroom remodel that was five hundred dollars <laughs> and it, looks and it like, was such a huge transformation yeah it looks like a completely different bathroom and so it just goes to show you like it's a really it doesn't have to be a demo it doesn't have to be expensive it can be a really easy weekend project and mm-hmm. it that's what it's all about yeah and you're gonna that's and then when you turn it into a rental property renters want like super cute places yeah, totally. And then it, you can rent it for more, too, because it's updated and yeah, people will, again, pay a premium for that. So you're not only benefiting yourself by getting more equity out of your property by updating it, but you're also benefiting yourself because then you can charge more for rent. So freaking smart. So smart. I love that. Um, Where can people find you? So people can find me on the BPRexperience.com, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Instagram is probably my favorite social media platform. That's yeah, you rock one. out the Instagram. <laughs> it's the one I'm most active on. So you can find me there. My handle is Sarah K Church, and that's across all platforms. Sweet. Well, Sarah, it's been fun having you on here yeah. again. And it's I can't wait to see like 10 years from now, like what your portfolio looks like, what your real estate career looks like. I'm excited. I literally get a front row seat and it's so much fun for oh, me. Thanks for saying that. I'm really excited. It's it's a learning experience, but it's been really fun along the way. And I just want to tell all of your followers and listeners too, like if they have questions or want to DM me or reach out to me, it's something that I will always be willing and happy to share what I know if there's any input that I can give or any advice that I can give. So please don't hesitate to reach out. I will always reply and be happy to get, you know, Watch, watch what they do too. share your resources yeah, with exactly. them. Yep. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I appreciate that. And I know our listeners will too. Well, so this was another fun episode kind of learning like what, what you need to do and what you need to know in order to start becoming, um, a property investor. And it's been so fun having Sarah here again, hashtag the open house queen. <laughs> um, yeah. So we, we love having her on the BPR experience And until next time, keep your face off a bus bench. And for the love of God, just keep being a badass boss babe that you are. Okay, girls, are you feeling as inspired as we are? We're over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. If you want more, head over to girlgetyourfaceoffabusbench.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. They mean the world to us and they're what keep us going. Girl, thanks for being here.